history in Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Hey folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It's Monday, January 20th. We're one week removed from LSU's 42-25 victory over Clemson in the 2020 National Championship game. But uh, hey, Clemson won in basketball in Chapel Hill for the first time ever, followed it up by a win against Duke, and Travis Etienne's coming back for his senior year, so I'd still say life is good. Ben and Cody here with you today to recap the National Championship game, um, kind of talk about our experience in New Orleans. We both went. Then we'll take a look back on the season before looking ahead to next year and what the Tigers have returning. Uh, but first, Cody, how you doing, man? You enjoying your time in New Orleans? I thought New Orleans was amazing. It, it really did blow me away. I had, I had an idea of what it was like because this, this was my first time. Uh, I had an idea of what it was like, but I think it exceeded my expectations. Uh, you, know, you have your, your party time, which is, which is fun, but great music, amazing food, uh, and just a really overall great atmosphere with all the Clemson fans there. So you probably did it right. You uh, you took your fiance down there with you, so you got some uh, a little bit of downtime, some some couples time uh, that was afforded to you. That uh, Graham and Vince and myself, being three guys without significant others, there didn't have. So I imagine we had a little bit crazier time than you. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is my second time going. That was your first time being there, correct? Right, right. Yeah, I think you can curb some of the you know the the 20 something, uh, your, your college day type, uh, regression by, by taking a significant other, you know, you'll do a few more things. You, you won't drink quite as much. Um, and it, it's like, there's enough to do. There's so much, we had what, three days probably could have made it into like a four or five day trip. But, um, after Monday it was, it was time to come home. Yeah, absolutely. How was your travel back on Tuesday? Well, the, well, went to Charlotte for work. So, uh, which everyone was going to Charlotte. That was uh, not a good idea. Not a great time to plan the work trip, but uh, is what it is. Things are good. Um, how was your trip there in New Orleans? Well, again, my second time. I had a fantastic time as always. Um, Love that city. Really great food. Uh, really fun scene. I mean, Bourbon Street is what it is, but you get out to Frenchman, you go see some live music. That was awesome as usual. Um, yeah, just had a blast. The weather was great for the most part. And it was just really cool, the excitement of the, the national championship game being there, uh, seeing all the Clemson folks out, and even the LSU folks. You know, you heard a lot uh, coming into the game about LSU fans and what they'd be like. And I'll be honest with you, I had pretty much zero issues with any LSU fans. Even after the game, most of them were very gracious Um in winning is is likewise as Clemson fans we were gracious in defeat and I didn't really run into like any knuckleheads or anybody trying to try to talk trash there was one guy Graham and I were walking down Bourbon Street um after the game and he tried to get in our face and start talking trash and we just kept 
being gracious and telling him, you know, the better team won. Joe Burrow was a great quarterback, and he eventually gave up and said, man, you guys are too nice. I can't talk crap to y'all. And uh, we, we hugged it out and went, out, went along our way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There was, there was a couple of guys, a couple of moments I had with LSU fans um, among hundreds and hu- upon hundreds of interactions. So, like, that's just the numbers. I mean, you can think of your own family. Like, you can't get, you can't get to Thanksgiving without having someone be a, you know, say some things out of line. So, like, overall, man, I, I thought they were, I thought they were great. They were different. They were more eager and more anxious and happy to be there than, say, Alabama fans, which has been our only experience up to this point. For them, for Alabama fans, they just seem so zombie-like, so deadened by the experience. For maybe it's because they've had so many opportunities here. But LSU, you know, in a way, they're new blood. They haven't been here since like what '07. It had been over ten years. Or no, I guess I guess they they went earlier against Alabama in the decade. But it had been quite a while. So they were eager. But I also say they weren't. They were confident. They that some of them bordered upon. I would say like uh, arrogant. And maybe they had the right to be. Maybe they knew what Burrow was made of. Well, I think they certainly did, and now we all do. Um, yeah, just a f- phenomenal game by by him and the rest of that LSU team. Um, just to kind of wrap it up on the the experience, um, I, I will say the only kind of lack of class I saw was was during the game. Of course, the neck chant, the suck that tiger DB. Um, kids in the stadium, you're seeing like grown adults yelling that out. Um, it r- reminds me, and I want to be fair, um, and I'm guilty of this as well. When I was a student, there's a time and a place for stuff like that. It's it's like when you're doing the tiger rag and you go mother effing in. I did that as a student. That was I don't know, just something that you did. You know, you're a young dumb kid. I look back on it now, and then I hear LSU fans singing their chant, and I'm like, there's a time and a place for that stuff. Um, time to be adults about it. And I would urge all Clemson fans to maybe remove that from our vocabulary when we're singing our fight song. Um, and then one of our players went down during the game and LSU fans were disgruntled. It was early on. thought we were trying to uh, slow them down a little bit and booed uh, when he got down and went injured. And, you know, that kind of lacked some class, I thought. Although, that being said, the LSU fans that were sitting around me did not show any of that, that lack of class. And they were all very gracious. Yeah, you heard that. I mean, and th- by the way, they were very loud and like it was, it was incredible in within the game. Like it, they, you know, it might have been sixty forty, but they were hyped. And you think it was sixty? It was at least sixty five thirty five. I thought. No, you, you're probably right. I mean, it, it was hard to tell. Some people on the fringes, um, but yeah, it, it, you could see where the orange cut off, and then it went, and then blue and white, a sea of blue and white, and they were so loud. Uh, football matters. Like it, it, I don't know. You, you did get the sense at some point in the game. It's like. And maybe football doesn't quite matter this much. Uh, and that was like, like you said, when I think it was Pinkney or maybe I can't remember. It was Tyler Davis who went down uh, and, they, and they were, they were booing him. So I was like, wow, this maybe. So yeah, go ahead. Hey, hey, you're colorblind. They're purple, not blue. Um, Miles Pinkney actually did not play in the game, which is an interesting thing we can talk about. He was injured coming out of the Ohio state game and um, he was in a boot after that one, but nothing was said like, Debo kept everything close to the close to the vest. Didn't say anything about the injuries, but Miles didn't play at all in that game. Right. So it was Tyler Davis, and I think he returned, yeah. but he was he was injured. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So other than that, a uh, couple of cool experiences I had with with Clemson players. I was standing outside of Harris Casino, just minding my own business, and I look over my shoulder right next to me. And there stands Hunter Renfro, my idol. 
Um, so that was a pretty cool moment. Got to talk to him for a second, got to take a picture with him. Um, and then day of the game, uh, me and the guys are walking down Dauphine street, leaving our place, heading, uh, back towards Bourbon street to head into the festivities. And you know, just some guy comes skipping up behind us, eating banana, um, walks up. Hey guys, you got a ticket. I'm looking for a ticket. My name's Daniel. You look at the back of his jersey, says Rodriguez, and like, holy shit, this is Daniel Rodriguez. Just come skipping down the road. And he didn't have a ticket. He did not have a ticket. <laughs> and uh, how tall is Daniel Rodriguez? He is shorter than me, and I'm 5'10". He must be about 5'6". I will say this. You've heard a lot of stories about Daniel Rodriguez, um, you know, mainly through channels such as message boards and stuff like that. He couldn't have been a nicer guy, I thought. And uh, so it was pretty cool to meet him. Yeah, well, I think the only person I saw was Eric McLean, but I didn't even I didn't say hey to him. There was Marty Smith uh, when we were <laughs> we were watching the NFL game uh, at a, at, a, at Manning's, a very popular New Orleans bar. And there's Marty Smith, and he's just hanging out with everybody. And I guess we could have went up and taken a picture, but we didn't because we don't want well, we don't want to be those guys. Well, the best part about it is Marty Smith walked into the crowd, and nobody even paid attention to him, and he was like, "Oh, hey guys, hey, thank you, thank you." Like. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, people knew what it was, but nobody really cared that much. But speaking of people, we saw we saw Archie Manning at Manning's. No way! I'd, when was yeah. this? Um, it was it was the first day we were there on Friday. When we were watching the Texans game. Wow! Totally, totally missed him. But that's uh, that's pretty yeah. big. Yeah, that's pretty big. So speaking of Manning's, we got to watch uh, Clemson take down North Carolina in Chapel Hill in Manning's with a bunch of other Clemson fans. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And you know, it was, there was actually the Texans game. Uh, not, yeah, I, I came. I guess that was before. And a lot of LSU and, and Clemson fans kind of banded together because there's a lot of uh, you know shared interest there. Yeah, and then they lost. <sighs> yeah, let's talk about terrible coaching in that game. Um, uh, but yeah, overall, just a fantastic experience in New Orleans. Um, yes, every fan base has their has their kind of bad side, but I thought for the most part, LSU fans were um, very, very gracious, very hospitable. Um, I got a lot of compliments on our team and everybody could agree this at the end of the day that we'll be back there next year in Miami. That is. I think so. Assuming good health. I think we're back. Yep. Um, all right. So let's move into the game here. You know, I guess Cody, every once in a while, every 30 games or so you're bound to lose one. And my initial thoughts, I mean, one of my first thoughts coming out of the game and really uh, there in the fourth quarter as it started getting away from us, um, the losses really make you appreciate how hard it is to get where Clemson is and where they have been recently. Um, they are few and far between. Uh, the last loss coming in, the, in that same building uh, in the Sugar Bowl to Alabama with Kelly Bryant as quarterback a couple years ago back in 2017. And so we are, uh, we're very privileged when it comes to that fact, uh, just being able to watch a team that goes in there and compete every game for the most part, blow out their opponents. And you know what? I was confident going into the game and I'd have the same confidence if we had to do it all over again. Really? Wait a minute. You, you believe in kind of the, if we played 10 times, we could win five out of the 10. Is that how you feel? Well, yeah, we can get into it here, but um, you know, last year against Alabama, was a bit of a different story. We can have that argument, but this, this, the final score in that game and how we dominated them the whole game long, that was a different kind of storyline than how it went in this game. 
Um, this game was more similar to our win against Ohio State, albeit LSU um, took a more commanding lead there towards the end of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think the better team won, and certainly the team that played better played and coached better won. But I still think there's opportunity. Uh, given you know playing this game over again, giving Trevor Lawrence another opportunity to play better, that yeah, Clemson could have won this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they could win. Uh, you know, maybe three times out of ten, uh, maybe even t- maybe just two times out of ten. I, I really thought LSU was the better team. I thought Joe Burrow was. I mean, he's just so far advanced. I've told you guys this. Every y'all think I'm kind of a live in the moment type type guy because I said. I said Tua Tagovailoa was one of the best I've seen in college, maybe, and he, and he was. The rec- the numbers showed that he was, and I rightfully feared him last year. This year, I think Joe Burrow was a step better than Tua, and he showed it. And I just I think when you're at that level as a fifth year senior with uh, the offensive mastermind Joe Brady, I, I just think they had the trump card. They had the Deshaun Watson, and then some. He's one of the best I've ever seen, if not the best, and that was one of the best offenses I've ever seen, if not. The it's best. Hel- it helps that he's advanced in age too, right? Um, though he's it's it's not like Chris Winky <laughs> being like twenty eight, twenty nine years old out there with uh, college kids. But uh, yeah, just can't say enough about uh, Joe Brady and Joe Burrow and that offense. It was phenomenal. Uh, Joe Burrow just put passes where only his receivers can could catch it, and I mean you you also have to put a lot on Joe Brady. Joe Burrow wasn't this quarterback in, in previous years. So a lot has to go to Joe Brady. And it would have been interesting to see if Burrow came back next year with Joe Brady going to the Panthers, if you'd still see the same dynamic offense. Right. I would love to see what, cause that's the only way we'd know. Right. Because now, now both of them are gone and LSU is probably back to LSU. Just looking for, for new OCs and, and, uh, and offensive assistance. Um, but yeah, it, it's tough to say the impact. It, I will say Joe Burrow, it was his first year starting last year in an offense that was just archaic, uh, very much like pro style, run heavy concepts. And he was not very good. But, but as the year progressed and by the end of the year, he actually did start to look better. All of a sudden, you throw him in this more spread concept with whatever the concepts uh, Joe Brady brings in. And he blossomed. I mean, but yeah, he, he was just incredible. I, I think I tend to think I, I give more credit to Burrow just because of what he could do in the pocket, the way he could maneuver. I mean, he, he really sensed things very well. Um, his ability to to process downfield and make, like you said, make those just remarkably efficient passes, uh, precise passes that were right, right in the basket of his receivers. Yeah, at the end of the day, he was the one that had to make the throws, right? And he did. Um, he's spectacular moving up in the pocket and knowing when to, to, when to pull the ball down and run. You saw that in this game. We did, we did get to him and sack him five times, but yeah, it was, it was going to be, it was going to be hard no matter what to stop this offense. And given how our, our offense played and allowed their offense to be out on the field so much, um, we just, you can't beat them like that. I, I mentioned that I, I did see a path to Clemson's victory, but Losing the time of possession to them by ten minutes is not the way to do it, right? And for all the the praise we we give Joe Burrow and, and that offense, there are things that we missed out on. Like, and it was it was disappointing. It was it, we were outclassed uh, both at the quarterback position and at the offensive coaching positions. 
hate, I mean, I hate to say it. We, we, we can harp a little bit on, on that, but it was, it was clear. I never wanted, would think that Trevor Lawrence as a sophomore in college could be that outclassed at quarterback and nothing against him. Trevor Lawrence proved what he's, he proved what he's worth against Ohio state. He's an all timer already, but that's just how great LSU was. And it, 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 they set the standard of college football in 2019, 2020. We have we had a we, there's some delta there for our offense to go, and we can talk about this later on. But I think we we certainly missed on opportunities, to say the least. Yeah, well, I mean, let's let's talk about it now. Of all things, the Clemson offense really was the issue in this game. The the defense got off to a good start. Um, you know, Bama had a really great offense last year, and we were able to contain them in part that the offense did their job, but. You mentioned Lawrence in this game. He was off, not hitting the throws he normally does. Um, for some reason, we stopped giving the ball to ETN in the third quarter after he scored that touchdown. And the wide receivers. I mean, ETN had more catches, more yards, and touchdowns than Higgins and Ross throughout the playoffs. Um, it was kind of a holdover from the Ohio State game. The receivers were not getting separation. There were some drop balls, and then Lawrence was overthrowing them. A lot of very uncharacteristic things from this offense. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, there was there were, credit to the LSU DBs. They're just like Ohio State, maybe not quite as good as Ohio State's, but up there, they're they they're in part reason. That's their reason for the lack of separation for the receivers. But the, the thing that's a little bit more in, inexplicable is Trevor Lawrence's inaccuracy. And I don't know if he was feeling the pressure. I don't know if he was injured. I tend to think maybe he was a little injured, or, or maybe they had strict orders not to run him the way they ran him against Ohio State because. He didn't seem as willing to run again. Rather, you know, by contrast against Ohio State, he was off to the races every moment he could get. Um, but yeah, he was very, very much off, and the receivers not, not really given his what will be NFL receivers a chance to make plays. So it's very, uh, it's very surprising, a little perplexing. Yeah, I don't think injuries had anything to do with it. I think it's probably just a different game plan. You know, against Ohio State, you have a completely different monster in their defensive line. Um, and the way we use Lawrence in that game, uh, or using his legs and ETN as another blocker. But, uh, you know, I think it was a, it was a different L type of LSU defense that we were playing. I thought at the end of the day, they played a lot better than I thought um, they were going to. But I think a lot of that just goes into Trevor Lawrence was off in this game. And the, the receivers did not show out like they did last year in the playoff. And give the ball to Travis ETN. Um, you know, you saw it this weekend uh, in the 49ers game against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had, what, eight passes, nine passes the entire game because they stuck with what worked. Uh, they just kept feeding the ball to Mozart. And I don't understand when you have a stud like ETN, like, give him the ball. Don't stop going to him, especially when you're only down, like, what? It was like 28 to 25 when he went down and scored, and we just stopped giving the ball to him. That's right. I mean, and part of what we needed to do was keep the ball out of Burrow's hands, control a little bit of clock, and and be efficient. And it was clear that Lawrence was off by that point in the game. So, I mean, you know, again, I haven't went back and watched the film. I don't know if they were bringing an, an, another guy down in the box, um, letting their guy, letting their cornerbacks go on an island. But it, it just the whole middle of the field, uh, along with Etienne, it, that whole part of the field we just shut down and. And I don't know, and we've seen a lot of griping, and I don't know how fair it is, um, griping on Twitter and on the internet about play calling, not giving it to ETN, not passing over the middle. 
But I, I did say coming into the game, like the area where we can exploit them and, and hope to keep the chains moving is it's over the middle of the field. And you saw like maybe one pass to T. Higgins, one slant, and that was about it. Uh, I know there's no Hunter Renfro this year, and, and Mari Rogers, I don't think, is the right guy. At least not he wasn't this year to fill Renfro's shoes. But man, what what a void! And and I don't know. I, I still think Justin Ross or T. Higgins or Joseph Ngata could have ran a slant route and 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 for seven, eight yards a pop. And that was what LSU was doing on the other side to us. Even Braden Galloway. I mean, he did get a couple of touches in that game. Um, right. Had a 40, 40-yard catch and run. Um, but, you know, it's crazy. Is is For four years that we saw Hunter Renfro, we're still, like, scratching our heads, like, could it really be that hard without him? But, listen, he was a top-10 rookie in the NFL this year. That kid's legit. And it does hurt when you remove a guy like that from your, from your offense. He's one of the most dependable guys that we've had um, that I can remember in a Clemson uniform. Um, so that made a difference for sure. Um, I'll, I'll say this about the receivers, though. Uh, they seem to be more finesse. Um, they had a really hard time against Ohio State, and they had a hard time in this game getting separation. And I think a lot of that goes to the physicality. You know, They hadn't seen cornerbacks like this all year, and neither of them, Ross or Higgins, or Justin Ross, or sorry, um, neither Higgins or Ross are Mike Williams type. Agreed. I mean, in, in physical stature, yeah. I mean, maybe Higgins can stand to put on some pounds. You, you know, you look at it in context, you know, T. Higgins was hurt against Ohio State for the majority of the game. In this one, I thought he played okay. I just don't think they were given a chance. And maybe separation, maybe route running is something they both could stand to work on. But uh, but yeah, when, when you don't have Hunter Renfro, and again, I guess the, the brilliance of Hunter Renfro is not just that he's he catches everything. It's uh, everything that leads up to the, the ball meeting his hands, and that's like the route running and understanding leverage, leverage to the inside. Um, there's not a guy on the team that, that that's, has that skill set right now. Maybe that's uh, Spectre, uh, Balen Spectre uh, for next year, or is that Brandon Spectre, the, the wide receiver of the Spectres? Uh, Balen is the linebacker. Right, so that would be Brandon. So maybe he's the guy. But it's that was desperately needed. You mentioned Braden Galloway as a kind of over the middle, uh, down the middle threat. Where was that? I don't know. And I again, we, we're novices here when it comes to offensive play calling and schematics. But it seems, I mean, when the dumbest fan kind of knows that like something's wrong, then, then and he's right. Then I mean, what, what's I don't know. How do we miss that one? Well, he did have two catches for 60 yards, and I mean, we have to be fair. He wasn't running with the first team all year with the suspension, so uh, you know how much he was uh, could have been inserted into that reasonably into the game plan. But you know, it's it's not just him that you needed. You know, or where where was creativity in getting the a ball to like Luke Price when you least expect it or something like that? You know, um, just I think go back to the offense as a whole, and this is one area where. You know, we had nine punts in this game. We were 1-11 on third downs, which um, was very reminiscent early in the season when we were not being successful in early downs. We were set up with a lot of these third and longs. It was the same thing in this game. We've got to get better at that. Um, you know, even not to mention the fact that we punted nine times and handed the ball back to them, but even on our scoring drives, like they were just a lot of quick hitters. You know, we've got to become better at putting together longer, more sustained drives, because even even though if you score, if you score fast, you're still putting that defense back on the field, and that may not matter against lowly ACC teams, but it sure as hell matters when you're playing an LSU offense. 
That's right. And it's, I mean, it seems like, again, I go to the word outclassed on offense. It, it seems like we, you know, we did a great job as a for Clemson as a program in 2011, bringing on Chad Morris, moving to the spread concepts. And, and we, we had like a, a we had the, the blueprint of, of the program and the offense that we wanted to run, but it seems like, you know, Hey, it's been 10 years now. And it seems like the innovation uh, it's coming more on the LSU side and the guys like Joe Brady. And there's more things that we can build upon what was Chad Morris and, and his, his initial spread concepts. So I, I agree, like creativity, it was clear that we wanted to throw the ball to Etienne um, and it was clear to LSU. I think they had game plan for that. There were, you were surprising no one when you're doing those, those drop-off passes to Etienne. Um, it, it, just, it seemed predictable and, yeah, a little bit of lack of creativity. Yeah, and so, you know, finally, Larry Williams had a comment in one of his articles the other day. Uh, you mentioned that Clemson needs to be better at throwing and catching to bring home another national championship, and that is a shocking line to me considering the embarrassment of riches we have at the skill position on this offense. Like, how is that, how is that even possible? It's almost like we took a step back um, this year and that some of the struggles maybe we saw early in the season were, were real. Right. I mean, think about it like this. This is a the best offensive line in, in program history, or at least over the last, what, 25, 30 years. Great offensive line. Um, it's it's the best quarterback maybe in program history. Uh, one of the best, maybe a generational talent, a generational talent at running back. I think I think T. Higgins is, is a first-round talent. Justin Ross might be the same. Uh, so, like, everything's there. Uh, and it just strikes me as, like, why why is it this hard to – to get to generate consistent offense sometimes and, that, and it would love for the Kraken to, to get back to work and, and inform us on why that is. Yeah. It's almost like Elliot has too much to work with. Um, and it either, either leads to overthinking it or you're trying to spread the ball around to too many guys, or do we even go back to maybe we open the playbook up earlier in the year? Um, you know, we, we've, we tend to shut it down early in the year just because we're not facing great competition, but, and maybe you just got to get these guys in rhythm earlier on. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer. It would, it would certainly help if we were playing better competition. I think, yeah, maybe that, maybe that would have helped uh, earlier in the year. Uh, but I'll, I'll say against LSU was a good defense. You, know, you heard them get a lot of flack, the, the, the defensive side of the ball, because they put up, they let points. Uh, they, like Ole Miss scored a lot. I can't remember all the teams that scored a lot on them during the year. But I think, I think that was just a defense that was wounded, that needed to get healthy. They have a great uh, defensive coordinator. They're a good yeah. defense. Iowa State was an even better defense, but I still think there's there's things that, based off of our talent profile, that we should be able to consistently go to. Um, but no, we had to rely on Trevor Lawrence really as a as a as to get a numbers advantage and and run the ball. Was it like twenty times against Ohio State? And you didn't see that against LSU, but. It's just it's perplexing to say the least, and I, I think Dabo uh, will will go to the drawing board, and him and Elliot will, will hopefully come out with a little bit more creativity in uh, 2020. Yeah, I mean, speak of LSU's defense, they did get off to a slow start this year. Um, Texas and Vandy were two other teams that put up some points against them, but uh, but you're right, they didn't get healthier until the end of the year. Um, and they have a ton of talent out there, but all that being said, if we were able to do what we did against Ohio State's defense, which I think was probably the best defense in the country, then we should have been able to be more successful than we were against LSU. Agreed. There, there, were, there were opportunities there on, for our offense, and we, we didn't capitalize.
All right, so switching it over to the, the defensive side of the ball that is Clemson on defense, um, we knew they were going to score. We knew they were going to move the ball. And kind of the thing that you were hoping that would, would happen was the same thing we saw in the Ohio State game is, yeah, they can move the ball down the field, but once they get in the red zone, we stop them. Well, that did not happen in this game. I think they scored the ball every time they entered the red zone, and then they had another touchdown from the 24-yard line. So we just weren't able to get off the field. Um, and that really hurt us. I mean, and part of it is, you know, that the, the defense was tasked to being out there so much and the offense was just giving the ball back to them. But, I mean, I don't have – there's some obvious weaknesses on, on this defense this year, <clears throat> some that we already knew, and that was getting pressure from the defensive line of the three-man front. But, hey, that's that's been a thing all year long. Uh, that's why Brent Venables switched the, to the 3-4 at the beginning of the season because he knew what the weakness of this defense was going to be, and that was going to be the defensive line. Um, but you saw some uncharacteristic things in this game. A.J. Terrell got beat several times. Darren Kendrick with his back to the ball on that one bad pass interference call. <clears throat> so, I mean, I said this about Clemson's receivers, and I'll say the same thing about LSU's receivers. I think if you match up a number one wide receiver versus a number one quarterback, uh, cornerback, I will give the matchup advantage to the receiver all day long. Agreed. And again, you, we can't, we can't look at Clemson's performance. You said some uncharacteristic things without taking into context, just how good LSU's offense was and how good their quarterback NFL wide receivers, Jamar chase, 221 yards. You're right. Like Darren Kendrick looked like a guy who uh, hadn't played the the position until this year. And (laughs) and no one in the ACC really exposed him uh, until he he faces LSU. Um, but you know, I, I still think between Kendrick and, and, and Terrell, those are those are those are uh, cornerbacks that you can win a championship with, unless you're facing Joe Burrow and, and Joe Brady. Uh, and but I, I still think they played okay. Um, not many other teams will they will will play will expose them to that degree. Give um, <clears throat> give this year's Clemson's defense, last year's defensive line. What do you think is different in this game? Yeah, you know, I thought about that. Um, if our, if I'll say this, if our, if our offense can't sustain drives and put more points on the board, I think we get to Joe Brady a little bit more, or uh, excuse me, Joe Burrow a little bit more. Maybe we have a little bit more success on on offense, or uh, excuse me, on defense. But ultimately, I think we still lose unless we can perform better on offense. Yet, what do you think? Do you think we get to, we get home a little bit more often? I have just so much confidence in that defense. I mean, it was one of it was the greatest defensive line we've ever seen. Um, so I give them a much better chance and maybe that's a confidence boost for the offense. There's a little bit less pressure on them. Who knows? Um, just, you know, something interesting to throw out there. Um, Xavier Thomas underperformed this year. I think he didn't live up to any of our expectations. It, It turns out that he actually was held out the first quarter. Did you hear about this? Your violation of team rules? Yeah. Um, not a good look for him. Yeah, it doesn't create some good momentum going into uh, his money year, and no, it will give him showcase for a huge, huge uh, way to you know create some momentum and and get and getting the, the hype of a number one draft pick. Well, and not to mention the the kind of lack of a, f- a focus and maturity that the coaches kind of talked about uh, coming into the season, where he didn't really land that starting job in, in August camp. Um, kid with a great personality, um, and also just a kid. 
That's right. I mean, he plays hard. I, I, yeah, I don't know all the other extracurriculars, but that's disappointing. But hopefully, you know, he'll, he can grow from it in the offseason. Uh, but just his performance, if we're talking strictly football, then, yeah, he there's a lot left to be desired because he's just a, a ton of talent, and it, he just got to put it together. Justin Foster had a good game. Uh, Tyler Davis played really well. Like you said, they were on the field a lot. They didn't have Pinkney, so there wasn't a lot of depth. But ultimately, it comes down to – I think in this next year, it's like we do need some of those bigger bodies. We need a, we need a Christian Wilkins type player um, that they can shoot the gap from the inside. And I think that's part of what um, contributed to, to the lack of pressure. Um, Tyler Davis had an amazing, amazing season as a true freshman. I'm excited to see what he can do next year. Hmm, not just him. The defense's line could look nasty ne- next year. Um, can you just imagine, I mean, and this, this really all falls on the coaching staff and their miss on this, but one of the big pieces of the puzzle missing would have been Josh Belk had he worked out. Um, you know, could have, would have, should at this point, hindsight. But, um, you know, he was that guy plugged in and losing that big de- defensive tackle spot was a huge hit in this game. Now would have made a difference knowing his work ethic, ethic and everything, as it turns out, no, but um, just kind of missing that spot. So it was certainly a weakness on the defense this year. You'll see us go back to the 4-3 next year, I'm sure. And hey, to Venable's credit, he did an amazing job playing to his team's strengths this year. This defense played phenomenally um, really into this game. I agree. I mean, Isaiah Simmons, we talked about it all year. Uh, the story of this of this season to me is that what the defense could do despite all of their limitations, if you just stack all the talent on the defense and you compare it to the offense, it's night and day difference it's just there's so much more nfl talent college talent on the offensive side of the ball despite that it was the defense who were able to pretty much mitigate all the weakness and all the deficiencies they had and and bring out like you said the best in the guys that they did have the whole sum of the parts greater than the whole isaiah simmons is a big part of that Uh, brent venables is just unbelievable the best coordinator in the country um i think it just comes down to the, the offense couldn't quite get to where they needed to be in terms of their potential in order to win a championship because LSU set that mark really high this year for what was needed to win a championship. Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, last year we were saying that the, the defense was going to have to carry the offense, and it, and it did um, until Trevor Lawrence got his feet under him. And, and this year it was going to be the offense, but the defense carried the team earlier on in the year. Now towards the end of the year, you start playing better competition, much more high-power offenses. We needed the offense to step up and do their job. And, you know, I haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen a Clemson team kind of get handled like this since, well, the first quarter of the Ohio State game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prior to that, the previous Sugar Bowl and the Superdome. Right. I mean, um, they were, you know, despite all the, the negativity, I'm, I'm kind of throwing the offense's way. I, I do put that, like, this was a team that was worthy of a championship. They were that good on both sides of the ball. And all I'm saying is, in 2019, in order to, 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 to have the trophy in your hands, like, the offense had to come along a little bit further than they than they did. Yeah, totally agree. And um, didn't help that you ran into the buzzsaw as the offense from LSU again. Can't give um, you know you know just all the praise to them. We'd give them all credit that's due. They did a phenomenal job. They had a phenomenal season and they were consistent all year long. Um, even in the Auburn game where they only put up I think twenty one points, um, they put up a ton of yardage. Uh, they just weren't able to punch the ball into the end zone. So this was no fluke. We knew what we were going to face. And, you know, the team just did not perform to their best in, in this one. And uh, like I said, that's that's not going to happen every game. Over 30 games, we've lost one. Uh, we had a poor performance against North Carolina this year. It's going to happen. 
And unfortunately, in this case, it happened in the national championship game. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes you need that, that sour taste of losing. And uh, maybe, maybe it's for the best for Trevor Lawrence, for a lot of these young guys that they first come in, they, have a, they get a ring. Um, it's, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get to the next level and they, I think they will next year so that maybe it gives them a lot more to aspire to. Um, well, you know, who did have a great playoff? Will Spires, man. Um, <laughs> who knows where he came from? Maybe he just needed more opportunities to punt. Um, and that was the problem because he sure as hell got the opportunity in the last two games, but he had another, another phenomenal game in this one and BT Potter hit a 52 yard field goal. Um, which was, I believe, was that a record, college football playoff record? I'm not sure. It was, it was quite a field goal. Maybe it gets his confidence up for next season. Yeah, well, we'll need both of them to come back strong. Uh, well, specifically Potter. Hopefully we're not punting a lot next year. Sp- yeah. Spires, a, he's a junior. Yeah, so he'll be back. Um, well, so that's about all I have for the game. Uh, I, I think overall, to touch on this last point, do you think this is one where we've, and even really in the first part of the Ohio State game, where we finally saw Clemson's weak strength of schedule come back to bite him in the butt? You know, I'm not going to say that's what it was. Uh, I think, I, I just think LSU was that good, and, and Clemson did have deficiencies, um, but North Carolina almost exposed those, and, uh, you know, and they did bounce back from that. Yeah, maybe it would have helped to have a, a good Florida State team on the on the schedule or a good, even a good Syracuse, which is what we thought. Maybe that helps harden you a little bit and it, you know, lets you see what your weaknesses really are. But ultimately, I just don't think there was any way of preparing for LSU in that office. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I buy that narrative. What, what, well, what think, are your thoughts? I think just in terms of getting hit, it's like they got shell-shocked at the beginning of that Ohio State game with how hard those guys were hitting. Like, even if Virginia had done that in the ACC championship game, I'm not saying that we don't still go and beat them by several scores, but what we score 70 in that game. Um, and that, and that's a conference championship game. So 62, 17, um, oh, very familiar score. Um, so I think it, I think it does hurt somewhat um, just not being tested like that. Obviously we were saying last year going into the playoff, everybody brought up not being tested in, it didn't turn out to matter, although I'll say Notre Dame was not even close last year to the Alabama team we saw last year or either of the teams we saw this year. Um, Bama just had a bad game last year. I don't imagine another scenario where we end up beating them like that in that game. So um, this was a gauntlet of a college football playoff to go through, probably the hardest trek through the playoffs any team has had in the college football playoff era. And at the end of the day, the guys just weren't up for it, and the better team won. Agreed. I mean, that's all you can say, really. And we let, we did leave some things out there, but you know, you got to credit LSU both on the offensive and defensive side for for making life difficult for us. So, I, I it's one I, I feel more at peace with. Like it's kind of like Alabama uh, in 2017 when we lost in, in, in New Orleans. It you kind of feel at peace with it because you feel like the better team did win. I wish Ohio State could uh, understand that emotion of being at peace with uh, losing to a better team. <laughs> Well, good luck there. I think they were madder after that game that, that we lost. But hey, but let me. One Ryan Day was right. Ryan Day, what a child! Uh, I I really think the officials missed a ton of calls, and they kind of went against Clemson. They did. I mean, and, and I, but you know, I haven't seen a ton of griping about that. Maybe it's because the point differential is just a little bit larger than what it was against us in Ohio State. But I mean, credit to Clemson fans for not 
going to the uh, what was me, the officials screwed us not going to those narratives. You think it was mainly on pass interference calls? Pass interference. I think a guy stepped out of bounds. Uh, T. Higgins, with uh, who had a clean block, and they they we ult- we ultimately scored. I think in that drive, um, and then yeah, the yeah, the offensive pi was the big one. But yeah, yeah, the game was kind of in hand. Yeah, listen, we got on Ohio State for blaming the refs on plays that really didn't determine the outcome of the game. I don't want to lean on that, and don't want to take anything away from LSU. Yeah, exactly. And you know what, Jamie Skalski, I don't I don't love that targeting rule. But it was a targeting. It just, it, well, it just was. And I said the same thing against the Ohio State guy. I, I think it sucks that you kick a kid out of the game, especially when the stakes are that high. Give him the 15-yard penalty. Give him a warning, whatever, if he does it again. If it's not a, an egregious penalty. And I don't think that was an egregious, intentional p- penalty on Skalski. Likewise, the Ohio State guy, I don't think that he intentionally did that trying to hurt somebody. I think the rule has to go back and be relooked. I know we're trying to protect players, but... It sucks you're throwing kids out of the game. Right. Kids, yeah. I mean, and they're talking about intent. That's a really thing. That's a really hard to, to judge intent. It's but subjective. And Jamie Scott, I mean, that looked like a clean football play. It's just really hard to contort your body uh, in real time. Uh, but, you know, it was a targeting by the, by the letter of the law. It's he led with the helmet. He did. Yep. So uh, can't complain about that given the letter of the law. All right, let's kind of step back here, take a look at the the season as a whole. Um, I think all of us thought very highly of this Clemson team coming into the year and had every expectation of us ending up in the national championship game, especially given the strength of our schedule. Um, did anything play out over the course of the year that um, that wasn't to your expectations? You know, I I think I've, I've already alluded to it a little bit. I just think it's, it, but the, by the way, the year did not go at all the way I thought it would. Uh, I did not think the defense would be top five in the country. Uh, and I guess they were maybe the best in the country. You can make an argument, them or Ohio State, maybe Georgia. The offense, I really just thought they would get to that ceiling. And I'm, I'm surprised they didn't. I know it's hard, um, but there's just so much talent there. And I, I would say next year, if they, they, they don't get to the ceiling, I, I'd be really surprised. Yeah, so I feel the same way. I, I thought the the line around this offense this year um, would have been what it is about LSU's, um, talking about the greatest ever. Um, given all the talent we had coming back, given the offensive line that we had coming back, you never really saw them. You know, yeah, they, they scored a bunch of points um, all year long. It's hard to tell against um, such terrible competition, but when you see the sputters against really good competition, that's when it kind of opens your eyes. Um, and it played out here in the playoffs, um, off to the bad start against Ohio state. They got off to a quick start against LSU and you thought everything would be going great. And then just kind of went downhill from there. And then at the end of the game for us to not be able to put together drives, that was maddening. I haven't seen that in the longest time. Like even when we go down by two scores, I'm like, well, we're still going to score. Right. It was, um, that 2015 national championship game against Alabama, like the boys kept coming back and brought it within a one score game there at the end. And it just never materialized in this game. Yeah. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, uh, we talked about it at the beginning of the season. And I, I think I told you, everyone assumes Trevor Lawrence is the guy that just tore apart Alabama. And like, that's his new, that's the new baseline for what Trevor Lawrence is. And then he, he comes out of the gates earlier this year and he's, he's, he didn't look great to say the least. And then, but he got better and better and better. 
Um, ultimately, though, where he can be, where he'll be three, four years down the road when he's in the NFL, like there's just so much upside. But I still think, I mean, it's great that he's got potential, but um, he's just not quite there yet. Um, and it's not to say he's not a great quarter, college quarterback. He is. It's just that uh, look at Joe Burrow, uh, who's three years his senior. Keep that in mind. But uh, Trevor Lawrence has got a little bit more uh, growing to do as quarterback, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And Clemson's just part of that that journey for him. Well, it's a humbling thing, and he's the right type of guy to be able to to be able to accept that humility. Um, just as how I am very proud of Clemson fans of, of being so humble and gracious in the loss. I know it's certainly I mentioned at the beginning of the show. It's certainly humbling for me to to have these losses to make you appreciate um, all of the good times. Um, although there was a small, I mean, there was a big part of all of us who wanted to see him go 45 and now. Yeah. And, and you know, like in the grand scheme of things, don't you think like, it's kind of good that you, you don't have it that easy. You never want life quite that easy. So maybe it's good. Maybe his middle year he loses. So he gets to come back in his, his junior, his final year. And, uh, and he works that much harder in the off season. Well, maybe Dabo doesn't want life to be quite that easy, but I do. Is <laughs> <laughs> a fan. <laughs> that would have not bothered me one bit. But at the same time, if we're standing on that stage next year in Miami, hoisting up the trophy, then you know this year is what it is. Um, I will say this. The loss to LSU makes me really look forward to that game in Baton Rouge in a few years. Yes. Well, you know, I, I kind of wish we could play them again next year. And maybe we get a chance. Um, but I, it's hard to say whether or not they're a playoff team because uh, they're losing we're, a ton of guys. Yeah, at least seven guys, I think, already uh, declaring early for the draft. Brady's gone. Burrow's gone. It, it remains to be seen. Uh, uh, what's going to be left of them, I think, is Hilaire gone? Yeah, I think he's a junior and is gone. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a rebuilding effort for sure for those guys. But, you know, they got talent. They recruit highly every year. Orgeron has really put together um, a good football program down there say what you want to say about the culture and Odell Beckham and uh passing out money on the field uh that's a different story um that is I'll tell you all of those antics that is one thing that makes me win or lose makes me really proud to be a Clemson fan that you don't see that around our program um you win with class you lose with class I'm not saying that they they didn't win with class but you certainly wouldn't see those things happen uh with a Clemson team right it's it's a bigger picture mindset this is just it's guys that you're trying to young guys that you're trying to make into men and into, into it's, it's just a game in, in some sense. And like you see that, you know, I kind of criticized Ryan day after his post conference, his press post game press conference. Uh, and then you see Dabo, he's all class and you appreciate that. And I made this comparison to someone not too long ago. People hate it, but I think they're, they'll come around to it. It's coach K used to do the same thing at Duke. When, when they would lose in the Sweet 16, maybe they lost a little bit earlier than they thought. Coach K was all class, all bigger picture, congratulating the other team and then looking to his seniors and congratulating them. And Dabo does the exact same thing because they're bigger picture guys. They'll have long, successful careers, or Dabo will. I'll give you crap all day about Duke, but uh, I will give you I, – I will agree with you there. Coach K does quite often uh, during losses. He's done this to, uh, with Clemson. Um, after Clemson beating Duke uh, several times in basketball, he's gone on the Clemson bus before um, yep. and congratulated all the players for the win. So class act for, for sure. Um, again, win with class, lose with class. You, you take this one with a bit of humility and you move on and look forward to next year. Right. I mean, uncan uncanny. Uh, that's, that's kind of uh, the, the comparisons between those two. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
I, I, I really think uh, there's, you feel, you feel uh, a little bit more, I don't know, big picture, a little bit more honored to be a Clemson, a little bit more pride, I should say, to be a Clemson fan. Nothing against LSU, but I, I don't know if, if, if it was a TigerNet article, but they did kind of seem like, hey, we, or maybe Tiger Illustrated, LSU won. They celebrated like they're never going to be back. And uh, yeah, (laughs) and they might not be. Um, That's a good point. And we walked out of there, heads held high, like we will be back. Right. Um, I wore my orange proud in the airport the next day. It certainly helps that I'm coming back to San Francisco. Once I make my connecting flight, there's no LSU fans on the plane. Um, But uh, yeah, it's certainly going to make the off season a lot more interesting than last year's. I think so. I think so. There's a lot of exciting freshmen. That's for sure. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about next year, kind of uh, turning our attention uh, there. Obviously, we have this phenomenal recruiting class coming in. Um, a lot of holes to, to to plug, especially on the defense, and then also on the offensive line with four guys leaving. But I want to first start here with the, with the transfer portal. You know, this is a relatively new phenomenon, and I don't. It's taken me a while to figure out how I feel about it, and I don't like it. And that's not because Joe Burrow came in through there and beat us, and Justin Fields came in through there and almost beat us. Um, but it's, I just I have a hard time trying to figure out how it's a good thing for college football. I know it's good for individual players, which ultimately should be um, should be what we're going after is, is best interest of the players. But I just like. It's too, it's almost like free agency, right? It's too professional to me. And it's, it goes against all the things that I really like about college football. But now the fact that it's a thing, you know, Clemson and Dabo don't, they don't take transfers really. You know, several years ago, we got this quarterback from Stanford who never saw the field. But is this an area where Dabo may need to rethink um, his philosophy, kind of how Coach K had to do in basketball, bringing in the one and dones? to where to keep up with the rest of college football where all these other teams are finding so much success, um, getting these stud quarterbacks um, through the transfer portal where Dabo might have to look that way to just kind of keep up. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think this would be a great year uh, to look at the offensive line for, for potential transfer candidates. If, if he were going to do that, I, I you know, I don't know. I, I think w- what we see is when you get to this level of elite and you see it, you've seen it with LSU and Alabama for a long time. You're stacking four star upon four star upon four star, if and then with a five star leading the way, it's kind of like a you know if DeAndre Overton would have transferred, like I would have understood. And, and TJ Chase is leaving. I understand, like he's a good player and he has a chance to go out and, and make an impact elsewhere. Um, it it doesn't dis- disadvantage us that much. I would I don't think anyone that's been too integral and. Uh, in, and to our to our system has left thus far. Um, Tavian Feaster would have been probably would have played a role. Um, there's probably a few other guys, but um, I, I, I think we're okay. Even though you know you do lose a lot of depth. Um, well, and it's not so much I, I guess who we're losing. Um, and you throw Chase Bryce in there. I, that's obviously the guy that um, we're most disappointed in leaving. Although the guy who should have left <laughs> uh, more so than anybody else because he's can start for a power five somewhere. Uh, but it's more so bringing in that one stud that can really put you over the top is what I'm talking about. You got a guy like Derek King from, uh, from Houston who is probably going to transfer, even though 
So let's let's go back and kind of paint that picture for you. Earlier in the season, I would believe it was him as a starting quarterback for Houston, and I believe their starting wide receiver, um, if I recall correctly. They uh, they sat out after the fourth game. They realized their season wasn't going anywhere, and they set out to to give themselves an extra season. And at the time, they said they were going to remain with Houston, but you know that's kind of BS. Um, and they're waiting for the transfer portal. Um, that's where I don't like it, um, where guys are just giving up on their teams. Um, to go somewhere else, you you don't have to go to a to a bigger, better program for one year just to make it in the NFL. Look at all the quarterbacks in the NFL; tons of them didn't play for major Power Five programs. Um, uh, a lot of them that are having success. So, I just it, it rubs me a little bit the wrong way. Again, I'm all for for what's in the best interest of the players for sure. It should be in their best interest, but uh, something about it just just kind of rubs me the wrong way. So again. That being said, if that is going to be the standard in college football, it's about going out and getting that one player who could really make a difference. I wonder if we ever see that happen at Clemson. Doubtful, doubtful. And yeah, this 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 is a kind of a a spillover from a much larger trend. I think I, I think we see it in, in professional sports, but also kind of an immediate gratification type type thing. And, and, and again, I'm not casting aspersions that these kids are wanting to get playing time, but. Uh, and, and we're part of the same generation that's like, you know, switch your job when things aren't going well, you know, switch your major, switch schools. Like, you know, we're all, great point. I, I mean, I, cause I've done the same thing. So I'm not like, again, I'm not casting aspersions, but, uh, but I will say one thing I've learned in, in my short time is you, you, do, you do gain some wisdom and you learn uh, it is sometimes it's best to just stick out something and the grass isn't always greener. So yeah, maybe, maybe kids aren't, aren't able to learn that, that lesson. Yeah, well, and congratulations to DeAndre Overton for sticking there as a Clemson Tiger. He won a lot of uh, uh, um, season awards this year at the Players' Banquet, so really great to, to see him uh, stick with it and all the success and everything he's had at Clemson. You know, just And, you know, the same thing with Chase Price. I'll say once a Tiger, always a Tiger. We love that kid. Yes, go on, have success somewhere. Um, Zarek Cooper has done really well at Jacksonville State. Um, and he should have gone, right, with the quarterback class coming in. Hunter Johnson hasn't fared so well. He maybe turned out not to be as talented as a quarterback as we thought he was. But, um, yeah, I mean, and maybe it's the Josh Belks that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe that's what are the, are the Kings that kind of quit on their team. Um, I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see moving forward. Is Does Dabo continue with that mindset? Or at some point, you have to pull a Coach K and be like, I'm going to have to go against my philosophy and bring in a one and done. It would be the year again along the O line. Please, uh, please, yeah. you know, put a put a feeler out because we are below so, we are below the capacity there, so it couldn't hurt. Um, we got some uh, good guys in the wings. Uh, that's for sure. We're gonna have some. It'd be interesting to see what shakes out at center. You got Bockhorst coming back. Jordan McFadden had a phenomenal year. Uh, one of the freshmen are gonna have to step in, and you know, you have Tremaine Ingram back there holding down the left tackle position, or Jackson Carmen. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Jackson Carmen. Yeah. Tr- Tremaine Ingram's gone at right tackle. So, yeah. Let's, uh, but yeah. So, let's look at the profile of like that is the one big question mark next year, right? You have Jackson Carmen. I think he was our best all around, most talented offensive lineman. He's back. That's great news. You mentioned Bachhorst, who was kind of like the utility guy. He could play either guard position. He got a starting grade. I think he's going to be, again, another strong point, probably on anchoring the left side at, at left guard. Will Putnam will probably be a right guard. He's probably our, you know, one of those like high upside young guys. 
but will he be ready? Like it's, you never know with young linemen. Kate Stewart, another one. He wasn't great this year. I don't think in limited action. I don't think to me, he doesn't strike me as a, as an upgrade. Uh, maybe, maybe a downgrade uh, from, from Pollard. And then you mentioned McFadden along the right side. He was good. He was a good player. And I think, you know, I think there's guys there. All, I mean, for the most part, it's going to be a little bit of a drop off. The big thing is depth, though, because there's not hardly anyone behind them that's ready to go. Maybe Blake Vincent at guard, but he hasn't had meaningful time in this, to this point in his career. And then you're just plugging in like Walker Parks and a couple of the freshmen. Like they're just they're in the two deep right away. So that is an area or where it will certainly help that. Um, that we don't have the toughest schedule right at the beginning of the year to be able to get these guys a lot of playing time and kind of get them up to speed. Um, it's also Caleb Boating. He was a freshman this year. Could see some playing time next year. But yeah, you kind of look down the list. Did you mention Rayburn? He's going to have to step up. Chandler Reeves, a guy who's been in the program for several years. We're not sure where we get out of him, but losing a ton of guys, man. And Reeves, um, Reeves actually moved on, I believe. So yeah, there's there's very little depth. Like these freshmen, there's six of them of them now, and I think, and you, I think at least three will have to burn the red shirt. But good point. Like not a not a crazy hard schedule, and that is that will get them allow them to be tested. But yeah, one or two injuries, it could be catastrophic. Yeah, so I think probably two of the hardest positions in football for guys to come in as freshmen and get meaningful playing time is uh, on the offense, the offensive line, and then linebacker on the defense. Agreed, agreed. And, and I, I think I think Walker Parks out of Kentucky, who's kind of flirting with the five-star rating, I think he'll be ready. I think he's more like your Mitch Hyatt. Um, but then there's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go down the list, but uh, I don't know that any of the other guys are quite ready. I think they're just going to be thrown out there just out of necessity. Well, ETN's coming back, so I guess he has confidence in the line. <laughs> the, the, yeah, well, yeah. Sometimes he doesn't need blockers, but uh, and he, his pass protection has improved, so that'll be another uh, certainly. point. So let's talk about ETN coming back, man. Um, you know, you heard, uh, it doesn't surprise me in the least. Uh, he's a kid that seems like he loves college. He loves Clemson. Um, he, just, he will not have his degree yet here at the end of May. Um, and you've seen Dabo do this before. He pulled it with CJ Spiller. He did it with Cleveland Farrell and Christian Wilkins. And I think that loss in the bayou um, in his backyard was kind of the last uh, piece of that puzzle for him making the decision coming back. And, yeah, I mentioned this kind of in jest uh, to you guys, but it's almost worth losing the national championship game to get one more year of Travis Etienne. It might be. He's he's such a special player, and I think he's already beloved by by Clemson, and he and he always will be. If this were if he were done after this year, the fact that he's coming back, I mean, it's just instant all time status. And it's not like it's yeah, we love him. But he's he's a great player too. Like he's just he's a great all around kid. You hear about the story of him coming from Louisiana and really just buying in, and and you know I I'm usually against this. Even when Wilkins and Farrell came back a couple years ago, I, I'm not. I didn't think it was a great decision because I thought they could have been at least second rounders, and I thought that would have been sufficient. Um, but I can actually make the case even with running backs and their shelf life being a little bit smaller than other positions. I think you can make the case that he comes back. It's not a bad decision. Um, because there is a loaded, loaded uh, class of running backs this year. It really is. And so what that means is anyone that's ever played fantasy football, it means 
there's less value there at the running back position, so you can just wait. So he, he legitimately could have fallen to a third, fourth round pick, and, and I think he could, he could be as high as a first round pick next year. Yeah, the draft class for the running backs this year is absolutely ridiculous. Um, trying to pull up the list right now, um, but you know what? You got Swift at Georgia. You got Alaire, Jonathan uh, Taylor out of uh, Jonathan Wisconsin. Taylor. Um, you got Dobbins from Ohio State. Uh, you got Najee Harris from uh, Alabama. Zach Moss from Utah. Cam Akers from Florida State. I mean, geez, um, that's that's quite a list right there. So. And again, you made the point with running backs, they typically aren't high draft picks. They're a dime a dozen, um, especially with NFL teams uh, using multi running back uh, rotations. So, man, it's just one, another one of those situations where you get that kind of five star, that, that unexpected five star recruit, right? For one more season. Yeah, um, six star. And it, and it, yeah, six star. And it's going to be um, just incredible having another year of him. And this news was already out. Amari Rogers coming back next year. He had already declared a while ago he was coming back next year. So he's going to come back full strength, 100% uh, injuries uh, notwithstanding. So it would be great to have him. Uh, wide receiver position on the offense. We're going to be loaded. You got Justin Ross and Gata, uh, Frank Lanson, bevy of other uh, guys and talent there. So um, should be just fine at the wide receiver position as well. So as long as that offense, offensive line can gel together, this offense should be potent again next year. Right. And I don't know if you mentioned Galloway, but uh, you know, I think he's yeah, got the body. Brittle. He could say he put on some weight. I think he has a chance to be a, have that dual, uh, dual role as a blocker um, and, and as a receiver, as, as a tight end. And yeah, must've been all that Osterian. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh man. Poor guy. But you know what? Like the, the wide receiver position, it, whenever T was out against Ohio state, it's like, wow, what a big loss. We don't, you know, he's he and he's great. T T will be missed absolutely, but we have enough firepower there. I, I really do look for Latson and and Gata. And by the way, I've already kind of mentioned this. I really hope we just get a get Amari Rogers in the slot or look for a new slot slot guy. I think the days of of the Artavis Scotts and the Ray Ray McLeods at that at that filled receiver position, which is where Sammy, obviously Artavis, and and so on. Uh, where I, I think you need a bigger body there now. I think just the way that uh, defenses are have evolved, I think it's good to have a big body. You have Ngata that could play that role. Justin Ross can do the field or the boundary position. So stable of receivers. Um, I'd like to see uh, more out of the slot in the offseason. And I, I think Amari, that's his future NFL. And otherwise, I think that's where he should he should focus his attention. Well, another position that could flourish next year as well, you already mentioned Galloway, but you got Davis Allen. Um, coming back as a sophomore, you'll have um, Jalen Lay uh, coming in as a redshirt freshman, both high upside tight ends, uh, great pass catching ability. Um, you know, I hate to bring up this reference, but you saw this happen with Gronk and uh, Hernandez um, in the NFL with the Patriots back in like 2012, where they used the, the two tight end sets with two amazing patch ca- pass catchers. So be interesting to see if that's a little wrinkle that gets thrown in there next year. Yeah, and hey, we we know we know Davis Allen can block. He's shown that this year, and Galloway showed us in the playoffs that he can block too. Right, right, and you know it's it's crazy how things are cyclical. How you know we were at one point throwing the ball like screen passes to Sammy Watkins on the edge, and he could make so much happen. You know, defenses have evolved, so now you're back. It's funny. It's kind of like pro style concepts now having a tight end, having that matchup the way that LSU had in Moss. That's now a huge advantage. 
And it's certainly an advantage in the pros. If you're watching any Sunday football, like having a great tight end, is just a complete mismatch that cannot be contended with. So it'd be, it'd be nice to see Clemson look a little bit more like Iowa in 2020. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Kelsey Kittle in the NFL. You talk about those guys. Right. Um, yeah, certainly a crucial position. Um, uh, touch on running back real quick. What are your thoughts? Do you think Lynn Jay's gone? It, it seems like he will be. And, you know, assuming good health, I think there's enough there and nothing against Lynn Jay. He, you know, he had his moments. I don't see him as an every down back in, in the same way that ETN's an every down back. I think he's more situation specific. I think one thing that could help um, kind of tip him coming back to Clemson is, well, they did give him the 12th man of the word a year on offense. So hopefully that was, uh, hey, Lynn Jay, please come back. Um, also, DeMarcus Bowman's not coming in in the spring. He's coming in the fall, correct? Right. Um, that's the five-star uh, running back out of Lakeland. So maybe we'll see. But in this day, the transfer portal, you kind of expect these guys are leaving. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I hope he does stay because he's, he's, you know, he's nowhere near the talent. I mean this in the, in the most complimentary sort of way. He's nowhere near the talent of Etienne, pound for pound. But, man, he is so talented with what he has. Um, so, I, you know, I appreciate his game. Uh, if we do miss, if we do lose him, though, like there's, there's Mikey Dukes and, and, and Malusi that have, have looked good. I think they'll fill a lot of the gap and, and, and add some, some depth. Yeah, and Bowman's going to get some touches next year. Yeah, and, and let me tell you. <laughs> it goes without saying. I don't want to get too far. Like, we'll have plenty in the offseason to gush about some of these younger freshmen, but Bowman, Bowman, my gosh, he looks like Dalvin Cook. Incredible. I think he was Florida Player of the Year. He, just an incredible talent. I'll take that. Um, flipping over the defense, uh, obviously some holes to plug in there on the defensive line, but we've got help coming in this year. Got Brian Brisset, the, the tackle, five-star tackle out of Damascus, Maryland. He's going to come in and he will be a starter right away in there with Tyler Davis, um, at the tackle position. And then Miles Murphy, the five-star defensive end. Um, so help is coming, um, on the defensive line. Um, you also got DeMonte Capehart at defensive tackle. We're losing, um, uh, Xavier Kelly is gone. Um, Jordan Williams and Pinkney are coming back. Um, you have XT, defensive end, KJ Henry ought to be improved, and then Justin Foster and Logan Rudolph. So uh, a much broader stable uh, there for um, the um, defensive line coaches next year. Right, and, and I, I think we said it throughout the season really we thought we'd have one elite player on the on the defensive line and it was Xavier Thomas he didn't he didn't turn out that way um but Tyler Davis stepped in as a freshman and I thought he was all conference good as if you're that if you're all conference good as a freshman usually you make that step in year two to be like an all all uh America good excuse me so they have him, and they need, they need a couple other guys to step up. So it'll be interesting to see if XT can fill that void. If Justin Foster can take a step, Logan Rudolph, maybe, uh, maybe it's, it's, uh, it's KJ Henry. But I, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't know that Brissy will officially be starting when he comes in, but he's going to quickly hit the two deep, and it's just a matter of time from there before he's a starter because he's, he's incredible. He, he will be incredible. Pair him up with Tyler Davis, and that's, that's a national championship. That's, uh, that's, that's uh, Christian Wilkins, Big Dex 2.0 right there. Right. Um, do you have some guys to replace the linebacker position? The Fiesta Bowl MVP, Chad Smith, will be gone. And then, obviously, Isaiah Simmons. Some big shoes to fill there. Um, 
I think we're looking at Mike Jones to, to step into that Isaiah Simmons type role. Bale Inspector is going to get some playing time for sure. Uh, Brian Constantine's a guy that's high on everybody's list, as is Keith McGuire. There was a lot of talk about McGuire earlier in the season. Had he not gotten injured, might have seen a lot more playing time. And you guys got guys like Levanta Bentley. So don't expect to see um, Scouts coming back too. Uh, you, you don't get to see a lot of these um, freshmen, uh, highly regarded freshmen. I mentioned how hard it is for linebackers to seal the field in their freshman year. We do have a five-star and Trenton Simpson coming in, but I expect more of these underclassmen that are already on the team to make a to step in and play a bigger role next year and fill those shoes. Yeah, and you know we, we've I, I think we'll be just fine at Mike and and Will. That's where you know Chad Smith will will lose him, um, but yeah, like you said, Scotty's coming back. I feel perfectly good about those two positions. I I think they'll even take a step forward. It's it's just losing Isaiah Simmons and the Swiss Army knife that he is. His his versatility. We're gonna have to do it by committee. You know, it's yep. we've been so fortunate with Isaiah Simmons the last two years, and then Dorian Daniel the two years before that, because they can they can they can be basically safeties at the position, and they can they can stand up against the run, and uh, and then and then also go into coverage. I think there's, it's going to be you know it's going to be some uh, some platooning so to speak at that sand position. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to – we've been so lucky in recent years with all the guys, Dorian O'Daniel, Isaiah Simmons kind of at that, at that position. So um, Isaiah Simmons is probably one of the best athletes we've ever seen in a Clemson uniform. It's going to be impossible to replace him one for one. Um, but, and, you know, as an aggregate, the whole the linebacker core, we'll see how they're able to step up. Um, we certainly have the talent to do it, and guys have been in the program long enough. Um, so hopefully that won't be an issue over the cornerback position – Hard to replace A.J. Terrell, man. We've had some guys you can put out on an island the past several years between him, Trayvon Mullen, McKenzie Alexander. Who comes in to replace him? Maybe that's Darren Kendrick who polishes up his game in the offseason. But who steps into that other cornerback position, do you think? Andrew Booth? You know, it's it's tough to say. I'm, I think Goodrich gets the first look at it. Um, yeah. Then you, 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 do have, uh, you do have Booth who, who was injured. Um, a couple other guys in the mix, but I mean, I, Sheridan Jones. Uh, I really like Sheridan for, Jones. I, yeah. I like what he showed early in, uh, you know, like the spring game and everything, but there may be a drop off. AJ, losing AJ Terrell, it's just a matter of if Kendrick can step up. And I think he could. I really do think he could be the next that, that goes early, um, has, a, has, a, has a great year in his money year. I think ultimately it was, a, it was a great financial decision for him to move to the other side of the ball. He just has to, he has to polish up way too raw, way too raw. And, and you saw, you saw some of his warts in the playoff. Um, you think Fred Davis will make an impact this year? Five-star freshman coming in next year. That is. He could, it's, it's tough to say it, it's an, anywhere on defense is really tough uh, to predict linebackers. The, the hardest quarterback might be the second hardest. And, and like, you th- we thought Booth was going to be a rotational guy and he you know, didn't have quite the, quite the freshman year that we thought. So. There's, there's talent there, to say the least. A little concerned about our safeties um, next year with Muse being gone. Um, Kaban Wallace is going to be gone. Nolan Turner is going to have a year left, but do you really expect Turner and well, Denzel Johnson's gone? So um, some guys are going to have to st- uh, step in there. You got Ray Thornton, Joseph Charleston, guys of uh, their first year with the team this year. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I feel great about Nolan. Turner being our starter out there. You saw some good things out of Landon Zanders this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see what that group's made of. You're losing a big hitter in Tanner Muse. He had some weaknesses in coverage, that's for sure, but one of the best athletes on the field. Yeah, yeah. I know it, 
those are, those will be tough losses. Ultimately, I think Landon Zanders is he might be your guy um, at free safety. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, or I believe he might actually play strong safety. And then Joseph Charleston at at, at free. I think you know I, I think we're going to lose something and not having the veteran experience. But ultimately, I think they're better overall players than uh, than than Tanner Muse. Probably an upgrade over Nolan Turner, who will still be in the mix. But uh, I think the future is bright at that position. We brought in a as you as you mentioned the whole slew of guys. I think there's a couple will emerge. Maybe it is Ray Thornton. Maybe he's one of the guys. Um, but there, there's answers there. R.J. Mickens, another true freshman, has a chance. So overall, um, it looks like the strength of our defense next year is going to kind of tip back to our defensive line, which, given how things ended up this year, kind of okay with that. Yeah, and well, there's a guy named Brent Venables. He's still, I, I hope the coaching carousel hasn't caught him in that, but I think he's still going to be back. So, no, you're right. It's, I think it's the whole front seven, though. Losing, losing uh, Isaiah's big at, at Sam, but I, that, that's, a, that's a pretty salty group of linebackers we're going to be, br- be bringing back next year, too. Yeah, and not to mention the team is the whole. We're going to have uh, two Sweeney's and two Venables on the team. Yeah, keep bringing them. I don't know how many more are left, but just keep bringing them on. Give us that whole lineage. Yeah, <laughs> turn them into great coaches. Plus two Herb Streets. Can't forget about that. Right, right. <laughs> um, I won't really spend much time with the kicking game. Potter just be better. Um, a lot of improvement for him and Will Spires. Man, just keep booming them. Right. Uh, pick up where you left off. Um, the one thing about right. let me say the one thing about this 2020 this upcoming year is I I really thought I think I think we both thought this. 2019 looked like a clear drop-off year. And that, and that wasn't to say that we couldn't contend for a playoff and even a championship. But again, in a year where we drop off, we still almost won a national championship. And then in the, in the year we were certainly going to fall off, which was uh, 2017 when Kelly Bryant was, was taken over for that year, we made it to the playoff. So I, I think 2020, this upcoming year, is really what has been uh, just when you look at the depth chart, it's, it's just shaping up to be a great season, another championship type season. And I don't think the competition is going to be quite what it was this year. No. And it's, it's a good thing you mentioned that and you're totally right. It's not only um, good to be humbled with these losses, but it, it not only makes you appreciate how hard it is uh, to win every game, but how hard it is to win back to back national championships. It makes you appreciate even more what Nick Saban did there down at Alabama. Very few teams. There have been very few back to back national championships. We missed out on it this year, um, and for the opportunity for us to do it again, Trevor Lawrence is going to have to lead the team uh, to victory in 2020, and then DJ Uangalele in 2021. That's right, man. That's right. Good job pronouncing it. Um, so one thing we haven't talked about here real quick, and this is the thing that I am fearing most going into uh, the 2020 season, is having to pronounce Rook Ororoho's name. Just call him Rook. Big Rook. Big Rook O. I mean, I'm not even gonna. Tr- I'm not gonna try. There's gonna be some. I mean, I got Youngalele down. I got Tyson Pumachon down, and obviously, I mean, honestly, those are much easier than Rook or Roroho or Roro. Yeah, I even like this is where I need Tim Beret to phonetically spell things out for me. But even if he does, I don't think that my mouth can put those syllables together. I think we'll hopefully we're calling his name or enough. Something or slow moving. You know, yeah. there's been guys you, you never think you're going to get them, like uh, Robert Kimdichi, Nick, yeah. Sue. Like, 
you, you, you make enough plays, like you'll, you'll get it. I still can't say Tua's last name, right? Yeah. To Djokovic? You win enough, <laughs> you win enough Wimbledon titles. We'll figure out your name. Uh, adju, adju. Got that one down. Yeah. Did you, hear, did you hear the funny story about when Dabo met him for the first time? He introduced himself as Dabo Dabo. Yeah, I'm, I'm Dabo Dabo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Um, all right, Cody. Uh, you have us going in as the number one team next year. See us going back to the playoffs and back in the Miami for national championship game. Yeah. So for all those people that are like, what a homerific episode. Most services have us number one. I listened to Athlon's review. Like they thought we're number one with some distance. Um, and in Ohio State, we, you and I talked about it. This could be a rivalry. They look like the the other team. Yeah. Alabama's going to be in the mix. Um, but once you get past like those three, I mean, I, it depends on where King from Houston ends up going and playing quarterback. Um, you have to take a look at that landscape there and see where he's going to fit in. So he's going to Miami. He is going to Miami. Who is King? King from Houston. Yep. Oh well, not the word on him. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that out. Okay, well, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Ohio State brings back as far as the defense is concerned. Yeah, so I mean, they're lo- they're losing a lot of guys. Chase Young, um, Okuda, they have yeah. I mean, and, and those were two very important players. I mean, game changing players. The rest of their roster is still pretty stacked, and I think Justin Fields like great player um but they're losing almost every position they're losing a good amount yeah but not just like clemson just like alabama just like a lot of these other high profile teams they they keep bringing in the talent um and they bring in freshmen who will play day one for sure you just look at the recruiting rankings and and ryan day inherited just uh just a gold mine of talent because urban meyer had them like top three for the like from like four years consecutively so yeah you're, you're right they will plug and play Clemson's bringing in six five stars so yep and plus Travis Etienne Ooh, and that's why we don't feel so bad about this loss because we will be back next year um last thing here Cody before we go University of South Florida head coach by Jeff Scott over under five and a half Clemson players from this year on their next year's squad under are you kidding me I just assume every Clemson player that enters the transfer portal is going there. Yeah, I, I mean, I would have, I would if I were them. Yeah, maybe Hunter Johnson should consider that too. <laughs> I mean, everybody thinks that Chase Bryce would naturally go there, but I've got to think that he fits in at a Power Five team somewhere. Had um, what's his name Newman from Wake Forest not gone to Georgia, I would have pegged. Chase Bryce, hell, he still might go to Georgia. He, he, you know, he should. He should go there. I mean, considering he has two years of eligibility left, right? Um, so that's still a possibility. As much as I was hate that because I hate Georgia, I do wish the best for him and want to see him succeed. Uh, but TJ Chase is a guy that fits right into South Florida, I think. Sure, and you know, he, I think he's a good player. I mean, he could, he could potentially go to a, a bigger school and make an impact. He certainly could. I think it's really. I mean, I think all of these guys are really good football players. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on our team. I mean, you can really get buried at, at Clemson at, at, on the depth chart at wide receiver. So it's yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know about Chase Bryce though. The the I, I think he should, maybe he should stick it out and go to Georgia. As much as I, I agree with you, I hate Georgia. But I mean, he, he's it, 
he's a Georgia kid, loved Georgia growing up. Yeah, maybe he should just go for it, beat out Newman. Well, we don't have him on the schedule. Um, they're not on our 2021 schedule, are they? That's the weird year we have Wyoming. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, um, two years of Notre Dame, right? Uh, Notre Dame. And then, and oh, you know, that, that is the year we have Wyoming. We've got 2021. Look forward to this, guys. Non-conference schedule, SC State, Wyoming, mm-hmm. UConn, South Carolina. Uh, we're going to go undefeated, and they're going to they're leave us out of the playoff. And- Rumor is that UConn might shoot down their, uh, shut down their program, so maybe we can slip Georgia in there. They should. They I should. I don't want to play Chase Price though, and I don't think Georgia's going to be in the playoff no matter what because Kirby Smart. Yep. Long as he's there. Um. All right. So hey, that wraps it on the 2019 football season from the podcast. Um, it was an incredible journey. It was a, a fantastic year right up into the end. Um, we saw this team achieve some amazing things, um, some amazing records. And some really great memories, even with the loss in New Orleans. Had a really great time there. And like it is every year, it's just such an honor to see these guys put on the orange and purple and white, wear that paw, and go out there and represent our university the best they can. Um, and let me say, like, I never thought 10 years ago I'd live in a world where Clemson walks around like, hey, we've been here before, and LSU's the, 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 the young guy on the block, the new kid right. on the block, and acting like a fool but that's that's what that was the reality in New Orleans. We were the we were the mature. We've been here, done this. Yeah, and I'll say that too to Clemson fans. I'm so proud to be part of this fan base and the way that um, each and every one of us carries ourselves. Um, never an embarrassing moment as a Clemson Tiger, and it's always an honor, especially living out here on the West Coast, to be able to travel to different parts of the country. Um, went to Syracuse this year. Did A&M last year, Louisville the year before that, be at Notre Dame next year, um, not to mention all the national championship games. It's uh, really cool to be able to connect with everybody and um, also our Clemson club out here in San Francisco. Um, it's really awesome to, to, to be in the Clemson family and just have these connections all over the country. So with that, that wraps it up for our uh, 2019 season. Um, as far as football is concerned, we will be back at you in some shape or form. Um, well, maybe we won't. You think we'll do a national signing day? There's no reason to this year. Yeah, I don't think so. I think maybe we're, we're, we're looking at the spring game. Maybe we do a Watson's. We, I think we need to do one of those. That's kind of a season recap. There's just so many great players this year that we should, we should recognize. So maybe we do the Watson's award show. Sure. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do something like that. Um, yeah, we'll do something for the spring game, of course. Um, and then after that, we'll go on our hiatus until sometime in July where we start getting hyped for the, the, the next season, um, 2020, which is going to be a great year. It's going to be a fantastic offseason given that uh, we got a chip on our shoulders now. Yeah, start the decade off right. Um, and then Clemson basketball, uh, making some moves, man. Um, try to get Sam back on here. We'll talk some Clemson basketball. We'll talk some Clemson baseball coming up. And hell, I might even talk some Clemson softball. I've been looking forward to that. Don't know about you guys. Um, but once again, appreciate everybody for listening and tuning in. It's been a fantastic year. That listen count stays has stayed high for us. And uh, now this fifth season, wrapping up our fifth season on the Clemson Podcast. We appreciate all the listens. We appreciate all the kind words on iTunes, um, through email, clemsonpodcast at gmail.com or at Clemson Podcast on Facebook at Twitter. Be sure to hit, hit us up. 
Um, subscribe to us at whichever podcasting app you prefer so that our shows get pushed to your phone as soon as they're available. Um, and until next time, and as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.